Welcome back to another episode of the Modern Multifamily Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Wilbur, and today I was lucky to sit down with Martha Bader. She is the Director of Marketing at Arden 55 Plus Living, and we dug in deep to the exciting active adult segment in multifamily. It's a fast-growing segment that many people are starting to talk about, and the future here is definitely bright. It was fun to hear from Martha on why they're so excited, some of the expectations that these renters by choice have, and how they're approaching all things marketing, technology, and making sure that the programs delight their renters. This was a fun one, and I hope you enjoy. Let's get into it. Martha, so happy to have you on the show today. Welcome to Modern Multifamily. Thanks for having me, Mike. I'm excited to be here. Lucky episode 55, right? Here we go. Uh, Let's start with where I usually start these conversations, which is your path into the industry. Everyone's is unique, complex. Sometimes it's an accident. Sometimes it was by design. I would love to hear how you got into the chair you're in today, leading so many exciting initiatives at Arden. Yeah, absolutely. So I think most of the time people say they fell into it, um, where I think mine's going to be a little bit different in the sense that I was chasing innovation. And you might not think about that all the time in multifamily, um, but I'm kind of in a different space where it's all about innovation and changing the way things are done. And um, it's a new market. And specifically, I was working for a technology, smart home, IoT company dedicated towards senior living. And I fell in love with all the seniors, but wanted to... Um, actually see if I could make a proactive approach before they got to the place where they were. And so I ended up in this 55 and better space, which is the newest um, part of the multifamily genre and full of innovation. So that's how I fell into it. That's super cool. So I'd, I'd love to spend today talking about this segment and I'd love to start there just like setting the table with terminology. Is it called active adult? Is it called 55 plus? I see everything online. Uh, You're the expert though, not me. Where do we start when it comes to terminology and defining this exciting category? Yeah, I would say that that's going to be a debate for a while um, that Nick does call it active adult. And I think that's our giant umbrella and we're all falling under that category of active adult. Um, You know, depending on the community, you do have a little bit of flavor and nuance right? But we are all active adults. We love it. Um, Different states might be 62 and better. Um, Most of them are 55 and better, but that's why we are in that umbrella of active adult. And I, last week, Nick, which is specifically to senior housing, uh, they came out with a report kind of defining it as part of multifamily housing and calling it active adult. But um, there's lots of fun stories to trade on names and different of opinions, um, but overall, that's our giant umbrella, and then each community is probably a little different. So for those listening, Nick is the National Investment Center, one of the most important governing bodies in the senior housing or senior living space. Uh, traditionally in multifamily, we've looked to you know governing bodies like NAA or NMHC. Are you seeing these like multifamily obsessed? companies talking about like the future being bright for this active adult space? Or what are you seeing there from a who's talking about it? Who's bullish on it? Totally. I think everybody's excited. I I think everybody's talking about it. Everybody's investors are excited. Renters are excited. I think everybody's excited because there's been just kind of a gap in between traditional senior living and maybe conventional multifamily housing. So I think everybody's really excited about it. 
Um, I did go to NAA this year. And one thing I found that was so interesting that they had, and I was very happy, um, was that they had Ashton Applewhite, who's an aging activist, speak there. And so you're seeing some of this um, education around maybe an older population um, at NAA. So it's also exciting to see some of those things, too. I love it. Um, one of the things I'd love to like talk to you about is renters by choice mm-hmm. and uh, lots of you know unique categories within the broader umbrella of multifamily are intentionally by design catering. And we're seeing mm-hmm. it both on my end of the spectrum technology than your end of the spectrum with operators. I think build to rent is a great example. Mm-hmm. Companies that are really designing and architecting a great experience for renters that choose to rent, they don't have to. I, I can only assume that active adult caters perfectly to this, but what's your read? Do, do people care about care level when it gets to this segment of the market or what are you seeing? Is this a marketing shtick or is this really going to be something that's going to become a destination in the coming years? Yeah. You know, there, there are a couple things about this and I think the everybody's favorite year 2020 really shed a lot of light on the actual need for this type of, of sector. And, um, you know, Renters by Choice is a real thing. And and what's exciting about, you know, there are plenty of people that are 55 and better within traditional multifamily rentals, but they're missing out on a lot. And, and what I mean by that is if you're 55 and better, you might be retired or, or have a more flexible schedule. And the majority of the other renters in there um, are probably working nine to five. And they are not in the community. And when they get home, they probably don't want to mingle. They might have to make food or see, you know, their kids or um, things like that. They want to decompress. So they're not very social, right? So in some of the communities I previously worked for, you'd hear these stories about, I lived in a, in a traditional apartment home and it was beautiful. It was perfect. I loved it. Um, yes, we did have some activities, but I literally never saw anybody. I never got to meet anybody. I didn't get to hang out. I didn't get to share my life with these people because of just kind of the scheduling. So, you know, and then you think about um, maybe some of our residents that are perhaps, um, you know, 55 and better, and they they are living a different lifestyle than someone who's 23 at the pool, right? They might have a very different pool experience and they didn't really want to be around that. So what's interesting is like you're renting by choice um, in an age qualified group in the sense that you're roughly in the same ish experience of life um, to really, you know, have those events that might be what you want to do. Um, it may be axe throwing, but it may not be right. Um, it may be, you know, an art class or again, people that are are flexible to have coffee and talk about their day and, and go to an art show together with and and really plan that, have that community because they're not racing off to their you know, grueling nine to five job. Um, and just that kind of thing. So you're seeing more of a renters by choice because of that lifestyle. And then also during, you know, the pandemic, the biggest need for humans is, is connection, is community. And, um, one of my favorite quotes, I can't take credit for it, but it's in the book, gentleman, um, from Moscow. And he talks about literally what is the, the worst thing you can do to a person in prison. And that is put them in solitary confinement, right? That's, it's not good. It's not good for anybody. And this is when you're being punished. And so 
I think the pandemic really highlighted that same feeling of like the more isolated you are, that that's almost punishing us, that you just want to be connected and around people, even if you're not spending that much time with them, just kind of knowing they're there, um, grabbing a coffee, waving. It's really wonderful. And, and, and I think that's why the drive for this sector just exploded because you feel you have that desire for connection and human connectivity. I love that. That makes so much sense to me. I, I spent quite a bit of time in the senior housing space in a past life and toured a bunch of the biggest, nicest uh, communities in the space. And during the tours, they definitely like go hard on community when you're touring a senior housing community, regardless of the care levels, you know, independent living versus assisted. Mm-hmm. And I have to assume that there are all sorts of tricks and tactics and marketing strategies you have to deploy to make sure that comes through loud and proud to make sure that the experience you can provide meets the expectations of your future renters. But what does that actually look like to make sure that what you're talking about actually materializes for people that say yes to your home? Yeah. And I think, um, you know, this goes back, I don't know if this phrase is, is correct anymore, but your vibe attracts your tribe. So I think, you know, if you are promising some beautiful high-end things, you, you have to deliver on that. And that's going to attract that kind of consumer. Uh, specifically, you know, the communities I'm working with, we're, we're a little bit more mid-market. And so we're only going to promise things that are specific to the building, the capabilities, that kind of thing. Um, but it's also kind of like a college, right? So like Harvard is going to be different. I went to Virginia Tech, go Hokies. It's going to be different than, than Virginia Tech, even though we both have Maroon right? We're the same, but we're not the same. There's a different feeling, a different um, football game experience, perhaps, um, things like that. And so I think you have to put out exactly who you are and what you're going to be offering and don't change it. You know, this is kind of our vibe, if you will, and that's going to attract those people. And both Harvard is pretty successful, I think. Um, I know Virginia Tech is, but, <laughs> I, you know, it's just kind of like you choose your own adventure of what that is and And like we'll talk about, there are so many active adults moving into that space or older adults that are aging into the space. It's up to them to be like, do I want to go to this one? Is, is that my, my group? Am I interested in, um, you know, Buddhist organic activities? There's probably one out there for that. Or if I really want to live at the beach and all I want to do is Tai Chi, that's where you're going to go. Um, if you're in Utah, you might have things very, very specific to Utah. So again, they are all a little different. And that's what makes, I think, the active adult awesome because it is so hyper local almost to make sure that they're really getting the right people to form a community. It's, and that's a, a slight difference than um, the conventional apartment homes where it's, it doesn't have to be as like hyper local. 100%. I, I completely agree, especially as someone who is recently uh, renting uh, while building a house. So that makes a ton of sense. Um, you mentioned kind of the date of the category. Let's jump into that. Like I did a quick Google search on the independent living segment, and there's about 30,000 homes um, or, or communities representing about, representing about a million beds of independent living. Uh, that's a segment of senior housing. It is not multifamily. I can probably think of like three operators in our industry that are focused on active adult, but I'm also not an expert like you are. I have to think we're early in this category. I'd love to hear what the data says about the category, the future, the opportunity. 
Yeah. And um, just for anybody who doesn't actually know what independent living is as well, it is um, typically age qualified and they offer more transportation and meal plans um, in addition to, you know, just lifestyle services. So in, in, in the research I did on the flip side of you, Mike, was more um, student housing, you know, that has roughly 3 million units currently rough. These are giant asterisks where um, the traditional multifamily is 139 unit, 139 million units, sorry, um, where active adult, you're spot on super early. We're roughly at 33,000 wow. units. No millions, not just 33,000. So yes, very early in that time frame of, of where we are in this. And it's so exciting to be on the kind of forefront of it, for sure. So I'm a tech nut. It's a huge part of like my personal passion. My first job ever was at the Geek Squad working for Best Buy. And no surprise, it's where my career's taken me. I have to think that from a technology, let alone like marketing strategy perspective that you have to do things a little bit differently. You're catering to someone who has different expectations, maybe moves at a different pace, isn't necessarily in an urgent, I have to make a decision tomorrow. It's just got to be the right decision. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't really know where to start this piece, but you look at operating a multifamily traditional conventional property compared to something like this. What does that mm -hmm. look like when it comes to your world and your experience? You know, and, and kind of going back to a pivotal moment with operations as well, I, I would say 2020 is also fast forward a lot of things um, in the sense that, you know, online billing, most communities are 100%. And and that was not maybe the case before the pandemic in active adult communities. So, and again, kind of going back to the same thing of your vibe attracts your tribe. Um, it goes around kind of training, educating, and, and making sure all the residents are comfortable with the different tools. But personally, I know um, 55 is really young. Like, for example, like I, just just spitballing, um, none of these live in any of our Arden communities. Um, but just to give you an idea of like some of these people, for example, Will Farrell, he's 55, right? So I bet you he's pretty tech savvy. Um, like Lauren Graham or even Pamela Anderson, she's 55. They're pretty young. They can do the things, right? And then even if you're thinking about like maybe the average age of the current active adult, which is typically older than 55, because you're not, um, you know, signing on your birthday, you're probably too much partying outside. So you're signing a little bit later, but like Richard Beer and Meryl Street are the average age of active adult residents. And again, they do not live in any of these communities, but it helps you realize how young, how vibrant, how much they're using Ubers or, you know, the Lyft app or shopping online. So I think people um, typically don't credit, you know, uh, this demographic enough. When you think about, are they tech savvy? You're like, I don't know. How would you feel about asking Richard Gear how, how active he is on his phone? <laughs> oh my gosh, that's like such a good way to check someone. <laughs> if you're using that as an objection or an assumption that they're not thinking just as mobile first and all of the things that I, that is actually like really cool, not data, but like fact to like um, represent how modern that category really is. Totally. And, and I know for me, my, I often refer to my dad because he's in that demographic and he'll be the first one to be like, Oh, have you seen this on YouTube? Or like, don't you know about this? And I'm like, uh, you know, so again, it's just changing that, that kind of image of what we have for this sector too. And, um, you know, again, I, I've said this to you before. I just think that 
but we want to normalize that people of all ages can live incredible lives and are not limited by a number of years and um, that it's really about kind of the person and where you are and we shouldn't really categorize people by their age except for the one and only time is that you have to be 55 and better to live into our communities. And that's yeah. the only time we're going to say that. You have to at least be that age. <laughs> I get it. I like that you say 55 and better. I think there's got to be a lot of attention behind that language, but that definitely comes through when you talk about it. And that that to me is really cool. Yeah. Um, qu question for you on customer experience. Like, What are the expectations when someone says yes to one of your communities? I'm assuming they're expecting more uh, than just a great touring experience and someone who's responsive if they have a maintenance request. They mm -hmm. are expecting community. They're expecting the ability to say yes to a pickleball match midday and, and things like that. And heck, I want to say yes to that stuff right now. Um, what's your read though? Like, do you have a strategy and plan and thought process based on what you hear from the market and your current residents, let alone your future ones? Yeah. And so right now we don't have any current residents because not all of our buildings are open. So, um, but I have been in the sector for a while. So and get to be on site for lots of other communities too. So what's interesting is there is an expectation because everybody has expectations. And what, what everyone has in, in place is how do we continue to um, provide a purpose-filled life for the residents? And so it can be, you know, all the amenities such as say like pickleball everywhere, done and done and done, right? Um, but having the space that they can use, having the right partnerships in place, whether it is a um, like a local university that that's offering classes. Um, we've actually partnered with UNCC, which is a university here in North Carolina to, to provide classes or um, these things to continue to keep them motivated and and learn more about themselves. Like test something out. You might not know you love Tai Chi because you've never taken it. The other exciting thing is that you do have more people around to kind of be like, hey, do you want to go try this? Maybe line dancing class or I am not going to play trivia by myself, but there's somebody I had like coffee with this morning. I'm okay. Like she's coming to, to trivia. We can tackle this together. So it, it, it does have that. You set the, the framework in place and then you put all the ingredients, which are our wonderful prospects and residents who are living on, on site. And it makes a really fun cake, right? So it's kind of that blend of night art. And we always say that we just, we provide the space for possibility. And that's what we want is that hope, you know, and, and that we personally are, are creating these um, environments for healthy and healthier and more connected communities. So it's really fun to kind of like, if you have the the framework, the foundation of a house and all the things in place and iterate as need be, you're going to have a really good time. That's awesome. So last question I have prepped and you may have a few that we didn't hit on today. What does the future look like for the space? Are you anticipating more operators signing up for becoming specialized, obsessed operators, developers within this category? Or do you think we'll see more of the, the big guns, you know, sidestep into creating divisions? It sounds like we're going to go from zero to hundred really quick, which is exciting, but you're the feet on the street. I'm not, what are you seeing as the future for really turning this category into a destination? Yeah. I mean, just the numbers that are out there on the growth of people aging into that space, right? We talked about units that exist and that kind of thing. But what we didn't really talk about is like that big, vast amount of space um, of people going and 
you know, there's supposed to be 32 million people in the next 20 years that are over 65. Um, even from renters in the next 10 years, it's 2.2 million, uh, which is like an 80% growth of renters in that space. I mean, it's just the number's big and it's getting bigger. So um, personally, I do see that there's going to be a lot of growth in that area. I mean, my division alone um, at Arden, we are expecting a lot of growth and especially in different areas, you know, that people want this. And and I always get into a, a lovely um, debate with one of my coworkers in the sense of he's like, you know, is it needs based? Is it not? And needs based is a term often used in senior living, right? It's it's about acuity and that kind of thing. And I always come back with a sense. I do think it's a need based niche, if you will, because people need community. They need these beautiful, well-maintained um, buildings and places to live and they need people. And it's just one of those things that it is a lifestyle that people need. They need that turnkey. You don't need to be dealing with roofers. You don't need to deal with contractors. Mine never comes in my old house. So I could save a lot of time there. Um, but it's, it is a, a need that people are like, this is what I want. And I think that's another reason why it's going to continue to grow. I absolutely do. Well, hey, I've got one last question for you. And it was your idea, but you don't, you don't know that I'm going to ask, ask yeah. you book recommendations. Do you have a book you'd recommend to one of our readers? You've quoted more than a couple during our conversation today. Yeah. Uh, that was your idea, not mine. Uh, anything you'd recommend? So, um, I'll list a couple and they can choose from their own adventure because I do love talking about the aging space as, as you might know as well, because I really think that there needs to be more conversation around um, ageism in the sense of even if you don't know what that is, it's basically um, discrimination on the basis of age, right? And no one really talks about it, but Ashton Applewhite, an author who wrote This Chair Rocks, she also spoke at NA, which I love, Fan Squad to the Max. Um, you know, it's the only form of prejudice that it actually touches everybody. I think that's a fantastic book because we are all getting older. And if we could shift our mindset about possibility, I think that that will be fantastic. And I'll do two more. I know we're running out of time, but another one is Breaking the Age Code um, by Becca Levy. She's a doctor. Um, and she did all this research too on if you change your perspective about the aging um, landscape, if you will, that it actually can transform your genetic manifestation in addition to just your overall life view uh, for you to have a, a lifespan of about seven and a half years more. And um, I'm like, okay, that sounds great. Not not terrible. Um, and then just a, a book book that's not related to age um, would be James Clear, Atomic Habits. Yeah, yeah, you've read it. Oh, yeah. Okay, so great, so so great. I don't know. I could talk about books all day. I'm like that person of like one time in band camp, but I'm like this book I read. <laughs> I'm the same way. You should see the shelf that's above my office, little on the one that I've got at home. Uh, I know you're a reader and a learner, and that's definitely something I like about you. But I will tell you that this was a perfectly executed episode. I think we're going to probably have to come back for round two. But for today, I'm really happy with where we ended up. Cool. Well, thanks.